Hi all, you're listening to At The Beam, a medical education podcast where we discuss high-yield oncology with a focus in radiation oncology. We are Trudy and Josh, and thank you for listening. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of At The Beam. I'm, of course, uh, accompanied by Dr. Trudy Wu. Hi, Trudy. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Any updates? Uh, not really. Uh, just a few bookkeeping things. Uh, we are almost done with our first season of At The Beam. We've cycled through almost all the disease sites. If we forgot anything, please let us know. And then we're going to go back and start doing cases again. If you guys have any suggestions for how we can change it up during season two, please let us know. Um, but other than that, you know, I think we're ready to start off, uh, continue with our CNS series. All right. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, so yeah, today we're going to continue with our cases in uh, benign CNS. And we're going to discuss uh, vestibular schwannomas, um, also called acoustic neuromas. These are Schwann cell-derived tumors that commonly arise from the vestibular portion of the eighth cranial nerve, so specifically from the Obersteiner red leg zone. So these account for about 8% of intracranial tumors in adults, and they occur in about one in every 100,000 people in the U.S. It's higher in Taiwan at 2.66 per 100,000 and lower in Hispanic and African Americans at 0.7 and 0.4 per 100,000, respectively. So the median age of diagnosis is about 50 years old. 90% of these are sporadic and unilateral, and some risk factors include childhood exposure to radiation therapy, parathyroid adenomas, NF2, which account for about 10% of uh, vestibular schwannomas, and these will often present bilaterally, which is uh, pathognomonic for NF2. There's also been some studies that suggest loud noise may have some positive associations with uh, VS incidence, although this is controversial. All right, diving into our case, Trudy, we have a 70-year-old man who presents with left-sided tinnitus for about two to three years, and he's noted some progressive left-sided hearing loss and some worsening balance for the past six months. What do you want to ask? So I want to perform a comprehensive history and physical, paying specific attention to any history of cancer, head injury, stroke, and do a comprehensive neuro exam, evaluating for any neurologic deficits, particularly hearing loss, tinnitus, and imbalance, all of which our patient here endorses. Excellent. So about 95% of these uh, vestibular schwannoma cases will present with some hearing loss and about 60% with tinnitus and imbalance. Now, this is because most tumors arise from the vestibular portion of cranial nerve 8. However, some other presenting symptoms might include facial numbness if cranial nerve 5 is impinged, as well as uh, facial weakness and taste disturbance if cranial nerve 7 is involved. So, Trudy, in what anatomic region do we usually find vestibular schwannomas, and what's a quick way to test uh, cranial nerve 7 involvement? So the anatomic region would be the CPA angle, and a quick test for cranial nerve 7 involvement is to ask the patient to tighten their anterior neck to see if the platysma is working, which is innervated by cranial nerve 7. All right. So again, these are the most common symptoms, hearing loss, tinnitus, disequilibrium, and they derive from cranial nerve 8 pathology, followed by cranial nerve 5 and 7. So on history, our patient has uh, CHF and hypertension, but denies anything else. On physical exam, there's decreased hearing of finger snaps on the left side, and you're noticing an unsteady gait with some veering towards the left. He has normal facial symmetry and movement, a house Brackman grade one. His facial sensation is intact, and his Weber and Renee tests show left sensorineural hearing loss. The rest of his exam is unremarkable. Can you please review for us what the house Brackman scale is? 
I would love to. So before I get into that, a reminder to listeners that when the vestibular nerve is affected, patients will fall towards the side of the tumor. So the Hauss-Brackman facial nerve grading system is widely used to characterize the degree of facial paralysis. It's a six-point system looking at static and dynamic facial symmetry, where one is normal symmetric function in all areas, and six is no movement with loss of tone. We can link in the show notes what the grading looks like. All right, beautiful. So your patient moves forward with uh, formal audiometry. Can you please tell me what that is and what you're looking for? So audiometry is the best initial screening laboratory test for the diagnosis of vestibular schwannoma, since only 5% of patients will have a normal test. Pure tone and speech audiometry should be performed in an acoustically shielded area, and test results typically show an asymmetric sensorineural hearing loss, usually more prominent in the higher frequencies. Just to note, hearing loss does not necessarily correlate with tumor size. The speech discrimination score is usually markedly reduced in the affected year and out of proportion to the measured hearing loss. Now, how are these deficits scored? So these are scored on a Gardner-Robertson scale, looking at pure tone average, or PTA, average hearing threshold, which is greater than 50% of heard between multiple frequencies, as well as exploring speech discrimination percentage, aka word recognition, by evaluating what percent of words recognize at a particular decibel. The Gardner-Robertson scale is also performed on a five-point scale, and the key item you're looking for is whether there is serviceable hearing or not, as this may alter your recommended treatment strategy. If the PTA is 50 decibels or less, and or the speech discrimination percent is 50% or less, hearing would be considered serviceable. Okay, so his exam shows that he has serviceable hearing in both ears and some high-frequency loss in his left ear. What other exams would you consider? I would obtain a thin slice MRI with contrast and potentially a posterior fossa protocol. Okay, so um, an MRI is taken and it demonstrates a well-circumscribed enhancing lesion on T1 post at the left CPA. The lesion is iso-intense on T1 pre, which is typical of vestibular schwannoma. Um, a buzzword is an ice cream cone appearance since the lesion in the canal can resemble a cone, and the portion at the CPA resembles a scoop of ice cream. So what's another MRI feature you would be asking about? So given the location in the CPA and the described features, this sounds like a vestibular schwannoma, and I'd be interested in the size of the lesion and the Coos classification. Okay, so the lesion is two centimeters in size, and this is a Coos grade four. Um, What does that mean? So the Coos grading scale is designed to stratify tumors based on extramedial extension and compression of the brainstem. Grade one is when the lesion is confined to the internal auditory canal. Grade two is when it extends into the CPA. Grade three is when the lesion fills the CPA. And grade four compresses the brainstem and cranial nerves. Okay, great. So um, Trudy, what are the general management options for vestibular schwannoma? So in general, we consider observations, surgery, and SRS. Observations considered in advanced age or if the patient has multiple comorbidities, slow tumor growth, or asymptomatic cases. Around 50% of these lesions will grow, and around 50% will develop hearing loss, and up to 80% of patients will require treatment eventually due to growth or symptoms. So surgery is considered for younger patients, larger lesions, and or symptomatic cases. In his case, given his age, his tumor size, and history of CHF, 
I would be wary on surgery and probably consider radiation. Great. So in this case, um, say our tumor isn't causing significant mass effect, it's relatively small, uh, radiotherapy would serve as a good option. Uh, what are you recommending specifically? So I would treat this patient with SRS, which stands for serotactic radiosurgery. Although there are no randomized controlled trials comparing surgery to SRS, there are meta-analyses that show that tumor control is nearly identical to microsurgery with excellent hearing preservation rates. There can be large variations based on practice patterns and provider and or patient preference, but I would probably recommend 18 gray and three fractions given that this patient has serviceable hearing. Say he had a complete hearing loss, what dosing would you consider at that point? If he had complete hearing loss, I would probably recommend 12 to 13 gray in a single fraction. Great. So you move forward with 18 gray in three fractions. How would you simulate and what considerations would you be wary of in treatment planning? So I would simulate in a head first supine position with the face mask and head in a neutral position. I would obtain a CT scan without contrast and fuse my thin slice MRI to the sim. Given that we are taking an SRS approach, I would carefully delineate the GTV with a one millimeter margin for a PTV. I would make sure that I have good coverage as close to 100% of my PTV receiving 100% of the dose as reasonably as possible. And I, because I'm looking for an ablative dose pattern with an HI of 1.25 and ensure I have good fall off of the low doses immediately outside of the PTV. For OAR constraints, I want to ensure that my brainstem V18 is less than 0.5 cc's, the optic chiasm V15 is less than 0.2 cc's, and that there's a, a D-max of 17 for the cochlea. Great. Uh, what side effects would you counsel on? Acutely, this patient, he may experience fatigue, skin irritation, nausea, vomiting, dizziness, some temporary worsening of his hearing, and headache. In the future, we will monitor for trigeminal and facial nerve neuropathies and worsening hearing deficits. Okay, so he goes through treatment. How are we following him up? I would obtain another MRI three to six months after treatment and then yearly with a history and physical. So say at 18 months post-treatment, the imaging is showing tumor growth about two millimeters. What would you do at that point? Hmm. In this situation, I would want to make sure to, again, perform a comprehensive history and physical, and if everything is stable, I would continue to observe. About 15 to 30% of cases will show pseudoprogression following radiation at a median onset of around a year, but can be as late as three plus years. The majority of these will regress. If this is true progressive growth, we can consider retreatment with SRS versus surgery, particularly if there are new or worsening symptoms and impending mass effect or impingement on critical structures. That's, that's great. So if this patient were a 50-year-old man without any significant comorbidities, uh, what would you recommend at that point? Probably surgery, although SRS remains an excellent option as well. Yes, it does. So if it were a 70-year-old woman with an incidental MRI finding, uh, what would you recommend then? So as long as the vestibular shinoma was asymptomatic, I would likely recommend observation with audiometry and MRI scans every 6 to 12 months. All right. Uh, one more. If you had a 30-year-old man with bilateral hearing loss and lesions that appeared on both sides, what would you do then? Ooh, buzzwords. I would worry that this is likely related to NF2, and that would require greater workup. But for treatment options, I would consider both surgery or SRS. 
Oh, incredible. Well, thank you so much, Trudy. So this concludes our episode on vestibular schwannomas. Thank you to Dr. John Hegde from UCLA for his review of today's episode. You can find our show notes on atthebeam.com and be well. And remember to always trust, but verify. Woohoo! It is.